Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, The John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campy, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of urethra, get to the... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Goodness, of course, if you saw the video put up yesterday, sitting over here, joining us for all of this fun, writer, director, producer. He's the producer of Agent Cody Banks, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Meyer Burnett. How you doing, Robert? John, I'm going to say something that's really shocking. If people no. already think that I'm being held hostage. <laughs> this week's episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds <laughs> oh, dear. is the best episode of modern Star Trek, and it might very well be the best Star Trek since... The penultimate two-part episode of Enterprise back in 2005, Demons and Terra Prime. Wow. Oh, my God. It, it had a compelling story. It involved nice. the entire crew. It had a moral conundrum. It dealt with things like the Prime Directive. It had romance and sexy time. I mean, it it had wow. everything you want. I was absolutely floored by this episode. Now, I have nitpicks, but you know what, John? I never thought that I would see a day come when I would embrace modern Star Trek wholeheartedly. Now, at least for this week. Because <laughs> you got Orville now, too. I got Orville now. I haven't caught up with the second episode. Quite enjoyed the first. But this episode of Strange New Worlds, if they can keep these kinds of stories, we might have something. Well, um, where is Robert Meyer Burnett? And yeah. See, I don't, everyone's like the great Robert hostage crisis has begun. This is. I was not bamboozled. I was not... <laughs> Paid off. Says, uh, I am not a shill. <laughs> no. <laughs> and of course, sitting beside the Robert Meyer Burnett impersonator, yeah. we've got Chris Carr. Chris, how you doing today? Um, I'm great. Just to make sure everyone knows that I'm the real Chris, I still hate Morbius. I don't know <laughs> what's going on over here, but <laughs> sitting over here, lover of all things moon related, he's going to be joining you guys in the live chat here. Ray Orr is here, ladies hey, and gentlemen. Hey, hey. And of course, beside him, running the show today, producer. Jonathan Voiko. Jonathan, good to have good, you here. Uh, good morning. Good morning. And it is good to have all of you guys here. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. How do you get a live comment or question on the show? That's easy. Number one, you got to be watching live. Uh, then secondly, once we get to the end of the main topics, I will announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. You'll have about two minutes to get them fired in there because they do fill up fast. Send in your thoughts, comments, opinions, questions, and theories, and we will get to those in the second half of the show. Also, a little bit of housekeeping. Don't forget, if you need your audio-only version of the John Campia show, you can go to your podcast feed. Just go into your favorite podcasting app of choice, search for the John Campus show and subscribe to the show so it's there when you need it. And by the way, we've got a second podcast feed for Mailbag. Just go and search for Mailbag, a John Campus show podcast, and you should be able to find that there as well. Also, it's game day. Game we day. got the boys. It's on tonight, Yay! making its return. And tomorrow, we're going to have the boys after show at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I am not going to be on it tomorrow, though. <gasps> I'm not going to be there. Instead, it's going to be the diabolical duo. It's, uh, yeah, Robert Meyer Burnett and, and uh, what's it? I keep, Denisio. What's my name? Uh, <laughs> Christy Denisio. Oh, okay. Christy like, Denisio. John, this is weird. Okay, my alter ego, the Christy alter Denisio. ego, Christy it's Denisio. soup goop. It's after gonna be show a th- special. These two will be hosting the boys after show tomorrow because I'm going to be in Las Vegas tomorrow. So, yeah, Ooh. there's a little bit of that. That's one of the nice things about having a new studio. I don't have to be here every day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, guys, we hope you will join us for that. Okay, guys, that all down. 
let's get into some stuff here. And we're going to start off with an off the top, which is this. You know, they came out of the gates with Get Out. And Get Out caught the world by storm, right? It, it was it was creative. It was intense. And it just showed what a guy like Jordan Peele and, and his storytelling sensibilities they could do. Amazing. And the world was waiting. What's he going to do next? And then he did Us, which I'm not going to lie to you. I found to be disappointing, especially coming off of the brilliance of Get Out. I thought Us was a really creative idea, a world-class performance by Lupita Nyong'o, all that kind of stuff. But still... And and you had Mbaku in there. You had Winston. Now, is it Winston Duke? Yeah. Yeah. You had Winston Duke in there. I love him. So wonderful. But I just, for it was a little convoluted, whatever. But we've all been looking forward to Nope. The trailers have been great. We saw some extra stuff at CinemaCon that they didn't reveal to the world yet, but they have now because a brand new trailer for Nope has dropped. And it actually gives us now what the basic idea and plot of the movie is. And it's great. Now, this comes just from the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter who wrote the following. Uh, Nope dropped its final trailer on Thursday, and it's far more clear just what is in store for audiences this summer. Written and directed by Oscar winner Jordan Peele, the universal uh, science fiction horror film is most definitely about aliens. Uh, That was the assumption from the initial looks at the film, but the previous trailers were so vague, it was not entirely certain given how brilliant of a storyteller Peele has proven himself to be with Get Out. And us. Uh, now, then they go on to say the final Nope trailer more clearly explains that the characters played by Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kalua are being tormented by at least one UFO at their at their horse training ranch for Hollywood Productions. The two decide they are going to get footage of the UFO and make some big bucks off the proof. I love the premise of this movie i absolutely love like because you could have gone straight shot horror with this right it's like aliens are coming you could have done something like a uh what was the m night movie again signs signs they could have tra- mm-hmm. they could have tried to go the signs route and stuff like that but instead they're going to put some personality into it because i fell in love with kiki's character in the initial trailers and everything talking about the history of the horse branch and all that kind of stuff right. To me, this sounds great. I am even more excited now for this film than I was before. Rob, you had a chance to see the trailer. What do you think about it? Well, I, you know, I, first of all, the, the whole tone of the trailer, the way they change up the music in the middle, you know, and, yeah. and it, it, there's a, there's a, it's, this trailer really makes me smile. And I, I just love the idea that, yeah, you know what? Aliens might be here, but let, let's, let's make a little profit, a little cheddar. You know, I thought that's, that's a great idea. But I think my favorite thing about the trailer, though, is Michael Wincott is one of my favorite underutilized actors he was the villain in the crow he yeah. he was in um oliver stone's talk radio and he looks to be the director they hire in the movie in in within nope to shoot the footage right. of whatever the aliens are and you know normally he's always had oh he was also in strange days as philo gant i mean i love my he does not work enough and that that jordan peele hired michael wincott he knows <laughs> he knows Good on you, Jordan Peele, because I can't wait to see this movie. Chris, you had a chance to see this. Now, we saw a bunch of this at CinemaCon, but still, watching it again in the new context, what do you think about it? Oh, gosh, I'm so hyped for this movie. And Jordan Peele is a horror director, too, who I run to the theater to go see. And you do not do that for horror films. I do not. I absolutely do not. And I still have, I have an Aaron Cummings kind of reaction to stuff where I have to grab somebody and, like, (laughs) I'll punch them if I get too scared. Um, I'm so fun to sit next to, you guys. But this looks fantastic. And one of my favorite actors in the world, Stephen Yen, is in this. And I love him Mm. so much. I think he is just 
so underutilized, and I've loved seeing him pop up in more and more things. Yep. Um, he's an incredible voice actor. He's an incredible on-camera actor. And so I'm really excited to see what he brings to this universe, too, because we got a little bit more of him in this trailer. I also like how, you know, I think the great directors have a stable of actors that they work with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, Daniel Kaluuya and Get Out, and to see him come back and they're working together, I like that. Maybe Daniel Kaluuya is going to be Jordan Peele's Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, I'd love the that. Way that. The way that Martin Scorsese... And Leonardo did like what six films. Together? He's got one Academy Award nomination. He's going to have three or four probably by the end of the next decade. Probably Ray. I know you've been looking forward to Nope. Yeah, it's my most anticipated. It right is. Here. It is your most. Actually, it has right. been your most anticipated movie. So now that you've seen the new trailer, is it still your most anticipated movie? Yes, it is. You know, I have a little bias because Daniel Kalu Kaluuya. He looks like my best friend in seventh and eighth grade. Uh, you know, his, um, shout out to Mark Mitchell. He What's moved, up, Mark? He moved, he moved to Compton like in the summer. And uh, speaking of Compton, this play, this a movie takes place in California, which is cool. I didn't know that. Uh, IMDb like says it's a California ranch. Yeah, because they, they train horses for the So movies. that's really yeah. cool to me. Um, aliens. We saw a shot of the moon where the clouds open up. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, that's, that's where I said, okay, am I going to order two tickets? Two showings now? No, no, no. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what the twist is. There's going to be a twist, right? Oh, for sure. Right. But 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 there's so many possibilities of what it could be. I can't wait. And hopefully no one spoils it, please. If you've seen it, see it early. Don't spoil it for everybody. Let us all get a chance to see it. All right, nope. guys. Nope. 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 <laughs> We're the internet. Nope. It's, it's true. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about the new trailer for Nope? We thought it looked great. Are you excited about the film? Are you more excited for it now? Maybe it didn't do it for you. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on the John Campus Show? Well, it's easy. You guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, Chris. What is our first main topic today? Our first topic is coming from Landon Woodash. Hey, John and crew. As I'm writing this, it's 11 p.m. Central Time, and the light year first reactions are just now dropping. The reactions so far are fantastic. I've been out of my mind excited for this film, and now I'm even more excited. What are your thoughts on this? Have a great day. All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, man. And yeah, look, we went to CinemaCon five, six weeks ago. I can't remember how long ago it was now. And they it was the first 30, right? 30, yeah. They 30. showed us. The, the, the Disney presentation starts, and the guy, president of the film division, comes out and goes, um, oh, yeah, we're going to show you the first full half hour of, of Lightyear. And we're like, what? what? Really? And then they played the first half hour. And I made this statement after we saw it. I said that Lightyear will be the fourth animated film in history to be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. And I, I said that just based on the first 30. Hey, look, for all I know, it goes to complete shit after that. Yep. I have no idea. I, I don't know for sure. But what I do know is this, is if the following, you know, hour and whatever minutes after what we saw are as good as what we saw, this movie's going to be nominated for Best Picture. We were howling laughing. Everybody was crying. Mm -hmm. the, the basic story premise is great. There's a little bit of interstellar, a little Christopher Nolan interstellarism mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, and Chris Evans, 
stepping in for Tim Allen to do the voice of Lightyear. Never missed a beat. I remember when they first announced this movie, they said Chris Evans was going to do it. I love Chris Evans. We thought, man, it's just going to stand out to us so much that it's not Tim Allen doing the voice. Nope, not a problem. It's not a problem at all. And now they did a screening of it, and the first reactions are coming out, and it sounds like it is going to be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Uh, Shannon Williams writes, Lightyear is out of this world, fantastic, a fun and heartfelt film that revived my childhood nostalgia while taking me on a new epic sci-fi journey. Chris Evans does a great job taking over the mantle of Buzz Lightyear, and Socks is my favorite Pixar character and completely stole the show. Listen, you know what I believe. There should be exterminator companies for cats. No. I do not Come like on, cats. No. I think they're horrible. They are a plague on the world. That being said, my God, Socks the Cat in this movie is going to sell toys like Baby Yoda. This this cat steals the show. This little robot cat completely steals the show. And that's coming from me. So, I mean, yeah, you are going to love Socks. And just a half hour became like an all-star. Kristen wrote, as a big Toy Story fan, I was originally a bit skeptical about the idea of Lightyear, but director Agnes McLean proved me wrong and delivered. He knocks it out of the park with a gorgeous love letter to sci-fi epics that will surprise even the biggest fans of the franchise. Uh, Ben Kendrick, a friend of ours, writes, Lightyear is exactly what Pixar fans likely expected. It's fun. It's exciting. It's one of the most visually stunning films in their portfolio. Still, the most impressive accomplishment is introducing us to a new buzz that is both familiar and yet entirely fresh. Uh, Rachel Lynchman writes, at one point in Lightyear, a perfect movie. At one point in Lightyear, comma, a perfect movie, comma, Buzz course corrects a ship with his thighs and I will be thinking about it for the rest of my life. That must have come after uh, the half hour. Liam Crowley writes, Lightyear is the family adventure the summer movie season has been missing. Movie uh, Moves at light speed and is riddled with that famous Pixar complexity. Chris Evans is charming lead, uh, but his sidekick is the scene stealer. He is uh, left with the biggest smile. What more can you ask for? And guys, it goes on and on and on. Now, we just covered the first reactions for Jurassic World Dominion. I mean, everybody came out of that movie going, yeah, not so good. Several people, like our friend Scott Mance, even come out and said, this is the worst film they've ever done. I mean, so it's kind of nice now to come into a first reaction for a movie that people are coming out and like, oh, my God, this is one of the greatest things you're ever going to see. And all it does for me is it excites me more. Again, that first 30 minutes has stuck with me. I have thought more about the first 30 minutes of that movie than almost any movie I have seen since that time. It was absolutely remarkable. The uh, We saw the full screening of Top Gun Maverick. And you guys know how much I like Top Gun Maverick. The first 30 minutes of Lightyear are better than Top Gun Maverick. I mean, it's just it's just nutty. Good. Anyway, Chris, you saw the first 30 minutes of me. You've sure read did. all the reactions that are coming out here. What's your response to I this? I cried real hard next to you during this. You did. She, she was. like I'm like, I'm like looking over and she's... I'm like, are you okay? He's like, no. <laughs> He's like, I'm not okay. This is beautiful and I hate it. <laughs> uh, this movie. Gosh, I'm so, so happy that Acts 2 and 3 are delivering because I loved what we saw at CinemaCon. And, you know, Pixar does deliver. They really, they do. really do. 
And I'm so happy with everyone's performance in this. I mean, one, Rob said this before, it's a great sci-fi film in itself. It's not, you know, just a animated Pixar film. It is a fantastic sci-fi story with wonderful sci-fi elements in it that are going to get kids excited about STEM, which is really, really yeah. fun to me. The voice acting is incredible because a lot of times, I mean, we've seen this with Marvel's What If and other shows. Sometimes when you have on-camera actors, they phone in the voice acting. It sounds yep. real, real bad. Chris Evans does a beautiful job in this. Pixar always hires directors who get the most out of their actors, even if they are on camera people. But man, he does such a great job to the point where it makes sense where now Tim Allen in canon is the sound alike who was hired to be this character. That's right. Which That's is right. so cool and so meta. Socks is perfect. He should be protected at all costs. I can't wait for other people to see this film. I can't wait to go see this multiple times. <laughs> Rob, uh, you were there with the, I mean, like I remember when the, the, the end of the 30 minutes and the whole theater was like, wait, what, mm -hmm. why, why is it stopping? Like we were all, but you and I looked at each other and we're like, that was fucking good. I mean, like, what, what's your thoughts on this? Well, you know, to echo the sentiments of, of both of you, I too, it's completely unexpected. You know, I, when I cry in movies and it hasn't been that many, I mean, I cried at the end of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, when Kirk got <laughs> choked up. Yeah. When, when Nettie shows up at the end of Color Purple, you know, right. comes back from Africa and, and they're out there and the things are waving and the, I, I was like, I lost it. But I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to cry in those movies. Like the emotion that they've generated in me over the course of the story, suddenly it, it, it's almost like a, a spark on gasoline. I did not expect to have a, a, an emotional crying response in this movie. Totally earned. It was, it was based out of story and character and the situation. And it was a situation that you had to understand from a science fiction perspective. And when it was going on, dude, same kind of thing. I just, I literally mm -hmm. un, un, uh, uh, involuntary. I couldn't have, I, if I just, and it wasn't, I was just like you water, water was pouring. <laughs> it, it, it was like what princess, princess uh, uh, um, it was um, princess aura in, in flash Gordon when she says to Ming, she goes, look, Water is leaking from her eyes. And Ming says, they call them tears, a sign of their weakness. I mean, I felt just like that. I'm like, Ming is judging me right now. Because I was just... Somebody right make that shirt, Ming judges you. And then, and then you know what else? You're, then you start realizing you get self-conscious. Like, are people yep, looking at yep. me? Because my, <laughs> my shirt is soaking wet now. Yeah. But again, like this, this film is so wonderful. It's so beautifully designed. The homage to the Ares 1B in 2001, the people are like, what? It's a spaceship, you'll notice. Um, it's so gorgeous, and the characterizations are so great, and the way it works in the Toy Story universe is pretty brilliant. I mean, from the very beginning, it tells you. But I, I can't wait to see the rest of this movie. Now, what year did Toy Story come out? The original Toy Story? Five? So it was so, basically the movie starts with a black screen, and then these words superimpose on. In 1995, yep. um, right. uh, Andy, whatever the kid's last name is, was given a Buzz Lightyear toy based on a popular movie. This is that movie. And everybody in the theater was like, oh, I see what they're doing here. Ray, what did you think? I'm going to go completely opposite of you guys. I do not want to see this movie. What? What? You know, I, I haven't been so Pixar lately. The la I only uh, seen Toy Story 1, maybe a part of 2. But it's only because, okay, this movie, yeah, it got me emotional too. 
But I know there's going to be another part like that. And I was exhausted after seeing the first 30 minutes of this film. I was like, I don't want to have to go through that twice or three times throughout the movie. <laughs> this this thing is going to be really good. I have no doubt. I just, you know, it already took everything from me in the first 30 minutes. So we're going to take we're going to make Ray see this and get his yeah. theater reaction so. for sure now. By the way, I've been having people asking me cuz they've heard a lot about the the emotionalism in it. People say, "Is it as emotional as the opening of Up?" Which of course is like one of the most purely emotional things I've ever seen in cinema. And I'd say this, it's not quite on that level, but it's reminiscent of it's, it. It's, yes. And it is in the same vein. It's in the same vein. That's a really good way to put it. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Have you been looking forward to Lightyear? You see the out-of-the-theater reactions coming now. They are all absolutely through the roof. Are you excited for it? Maybe it's not your thing. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. Before we move on, we're going to take a second here and thank one of the sponsors of today's episode, the good folks at Liquid IV. We want to take a minute and thank the sponsors of this video, Liquid IV. Now, listen, just one stick of liquid IV added to 16 ounces of water will hydrate you faster and more efficiently than just water alone. It contains five essential vitamins like B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C with three times the electrolytes as traditional sports drinks. And what makes liquid IV so effective is the science of cellular transport technology or CTT. You see, it's designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other key ingredients into your bloodstream faster and more more efficiently. You know, Ann and I get up pretty early in the morning to go to the gym because we can't go to the gym at any other time during the day. And for the last couple of weeks, I have been drinking one full glass of water with liquid IV. And all I can tell you is you can feel the difference during the workout. So go and grab liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code Campia at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code Campia, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today when you go to liquidiv.com. And remember, use the promo code at checkout, Campia. And thank you to the folks at Liquid IV for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. Go down to the description of this video near the, near the top. You'll see a link to all of our sponsors and the promo codes. And again, thanks to Liquid IV for being a sponsor today. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? This one comes from ProtonStream, which of course you should never cross them. <laughs> hey, John and crew. Yesterday was Ghostbusters Day, and a ton of announcements were made about the future of the franchise. Most importantly, it was announced that Jason Reitman and Gil Ke uh, Keenan are officially working on a new live-action film that will presumably serve as a sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife. As a lifelong Ghostbusters fan, I absolutely loved Afterlife and can't wait to see what they've got planned for the franchise. What do you think of these announcements? Are you in interested in more Ghostbusters projects? All right. So, yeah, they had like a Ghostbusters day and made a bunch of announcements. Let me cover a couple of the smaller things here. So, uh, first, there is an animated movie coming that's going to be with a bunch of new characters. So, they talked about this new Ghostbusters animated movie that they're coming. They've also got an animated series coming that they're working on. Now, when I read that, I got a little choked up um, because one of the last things that John Schnepp had kind of been connected to was he was working with Sony. They, he was in talks with Sony to direct a, the Ghostbusters animated series. 
And I think now the guy, a, guy, a friend of his, the guy who was the one of the founders of Titmouse is now going to be mm-hmm. kind of shepherding that. So when I heard about that and I saw it, I'm going to admit, I got a little bit choked up. Main story here, though, is Jason Reitman doing the next Ghostbusters film. They're moving it back to Manhattan, back into the firehouse. And it's actually right now their working title is Ghostbusters Firehouse. So the family is moving out of the farm, going back in the city and stuff like this. Listen, speaking of CinemaCon, not at this most recent one like a month and a half ago, but it was last CinemaCon, like a, a year ago, when me and Aaron Cummings were there in the audience and Jason Reitman and his dad, rest in peace, the great Ivan Reitman, uh, were on stage together talking about how excited they were to bring the new Ghostbusters to theaters. And then they said, as a matter of fact... We're going to show you the whole movie right now. And all of us are like, what? And they played Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I was delighted by it. I mean, is it as good as the original Ghostbusters? No. Beats the living crap out of Ghostbusters 2. But not as good as the original. But still, it was delightful. Paul Rudd was great in it. The younger cast were really solid, especially Egon's granddaughter. I mean, she... She's great. That kid was great. And she sings the closing credit song. Yes, that's right. She yeah. does that as well. So it was a delight, a lot of fun, pleasant surprise. And Jason Reitman is like, seriously, one of my favorite directors. Not only is he a good Canadian kid, but you're talking about movies like Up in the Air, which mm-hmm. uh, Juno, Thank You for Smoking, so is like such an underrated treasure of a movie. And, and now he's got this one, which was fantastic. I love that they're moving forward because listen, Sony put this thing out in theaters when it was still very hard to put a movie in theaters because of the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. And Sony looked at the box office results and said, and they looked at it the right way. They's like, are these great numbers for normal circumstances? No, but we think this was a really good result given the circumstances. And we believe in this franchise and they're doing another one. I, for one, am very excited to see where it goes. Anyway, Rob, you heard all these announcements. Ghostbusters Firehouse. They may change the title later, but what do you think about it? Well, look, you know, I I I enjoyed Afterlife too. I thought it was a little nostalgia drenched, but I thought it was. Oh, it absolutely was. It yeah, was, it was good, and you know, they did it for a price. It wasn't a hugely costly okay. movie, and I think you know it really showed how you can. For me, it's the best kind of a sequel, where it's a very different kind of a story. They they went to a very different location, which in itself really changed the feel of it all. I thought the film was was definitely a worthy sequel. I I really enjoyed the fact that it was so different. I was intrigued by the story, and I loved the cast. You know, I thought the cast was great. I thought it was a terrific film, and it it like you pointed out, it was a good result for the time. And Sony is looking at it, going, and clearly it's probably done very well on home video and very well on uh, streaming or video on demand. So they're looking at all kinds of n- numbers. The aggregate number there is probably something like, let's make another one of these. And, you know, especially in the wake of 80s nostalgia, obviously Ghostbusters to me captures, it's 1984, it's smack dab in the center of the 80s. And when we have things like Stranger Things and yeah. including including some of the same cast members of the show. That's right. I mean, we're now in a place where I think that the people that are handling Ghostbusters, because it's now a legacy franchise, you have the son uh, succeeding the father in actually making it. I I think why not? You know, bring on the Ghostbusters. Who doesn't love Ghostbusters? I mean, John, after Top Gun Maverick, at this point, (laughs) you know, you can reboot anything. I want to see Adventures in Babysitting too. (laughs) Freaking love Adventures in Babysitting. Thor's in it. Well, what's what's what's, why am I freezing on her name from Karate Kid? 
Uh, well, oh, yeah. Elizabeth Shue. Uh, yeah. yeah. Was she not <laughs> in Adventures of Babysitting? Yeah. She was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of she, course, she was great in The Boys Season 1. Oh, my oh God, yeah. She was incredible. So good. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this news. Are you down for another Ghostbusters? Heckin yes, I am. Oh, my gosh. I loved Heckin. Afterlife. Um, and it was nostalgia-soaked, but in a way that worked for me. Same way for Top Gun, where that didn't resonate for me. Ghostbusters, it ticked all the boxes for me, including just having jars of spores for Egon. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> Those little details. I'm smacking my husband the whole time. Like, do you see? And he's like, I didn't watch this as a kid. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, my gateway. You married him? I know. Well, this was after we were married, Rob, and you can only have so many marriages. I'm not Liz Taylor. <laughs> oh, well. Right? So <laughs> my, my gateway drug to Ghostbusters were the animated series. There was a really cringy to look back on 1997 show called Extreme Ghostbusters. <laughs> and once I started watching that, which was swiftly canceled after a season, my dad went, oh, my gosh, you know what you should watch? That's actually good. And then introduced me to these films. So, like, I, I have this real wonderful, like, father daughter to connection to the movies. So watching, you know the sun take over the franchise too was real beautiful for me and personal for me and i can't wait mm. to see what else they do here I like that. Mm. all right guys question is for you what did you think about ghostbusters afterlife and now it is official they are moving ahead with the sequel to it the family's moving away from the farmhouse back into manhattan the home of the ghostbusters are you excited about it maybe you weren't all that big on the afterlife whatever you guys think jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts okay guys with that down, let's move on to main topic. What are we on now? Three? Three. three. Yeah. Main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? This one comes from Clavel. I think it's safe to say The Mandalorian is still the gold standard when it comes to Star Wars TV. The first two seasons have been amazing, and the ending of season two is one of the best moments in TV history to me. Did you see the article where the cast of the show are saying that the new season is the darkest and best yet? What do you think that tells us about where the show is going? Uh, do you think it can live up to that promise? All right. Thanks for sending that in, Clavel. And yeah, look, The Mandalorian, There, I don't think there's any debate. I mean, everybody can have a lot of different opinions, about, but, but I really don't think there's a lot of debate here. The Mandalorian, he's right, is the gold standard of Star Wars television. Even season two, who everybody changed their damn tune on season two once the, the Luke Skywalker thing happened at the end, right? Because in the first half of season one, I heard a lot of, bitching i heard a lot of whining and playing oh it's this i'm like guys this is an homage to the old western this is the gunfighter going through the west every episode is supposed to be its own little self-contained story my god that episode with the freaking ice spiders i love that episode but i heard so many people complaining about it but i thought this is i thought even better than season one and they're moving through it and then people started to get on board with it a little bit and then that final episode happened and yeah, the internet blew up when Luke Skywalker shows up. And then all of a sudden, everybody was complaining about season two. This is the best season ever. Uh, like after, But whatever, whatever got you on the train, welcome aboard. There was a lot of room. But it is the gold standard. But it left some really interesting things. The whole story about Mandalore. Um, really, what is, we heard a lot of references to the things Moff Gideon did. But really, what... What are these travesties that we're going to see? Of course, we've got the whole story of Bo-Katan going on. And how's that? And now there's drama between Bo-Katan and Din because he's got the Darksaber and he can't just give it to her, even though he wants to. Not allowed to take it from him. She's got to beat him to take it from him. So all this hanging drama. So it's not surprising to hear them say, yeah, they're going to up the drama in this. This comes to us from the folks over at Joe Blow who write the following. 
There is even uh, three, talking about season three, is even better than the previous ones, Pedro Pascal teased. It's safe to say that you're going to love it, Carl Weathers added, that The Mandalorian season three will feel fuller and have a lot more heft. It's so dense with so much action, but also character. Giancarlo Esposito said that the new episodes will be larger than ever, and it's just an expansion in many ways of last season. It's a great season that has great ideas, great uh, teasing, and great tips for the future. Not to be left out, Katie Sackhoff, of course, from my all-time favorite television show, Battlestar Galactica, had just a single word when asked to describe the vibe of the third season. And she said, dark. And that comes to us from the folks over at Joe Blog. Now, once again, let's point out, actors saying their thing is good. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, okay, we get that. But with all the stuff that we just talked about, like we can kind of sense where season three has to go. They've got to go back to Mandalore. And even in the book of Boba Fett, they kind of set up that Din's journey needs to take him back to Mandalore to re to revive his honor now, right? So all roads were leading to Mandalore anyway. So it seems like that's where they're heading and everything looks really good. Uh, I don't know what just happened there, but that was pretty funky. So <laughs> everything's heading back to Mandalore and I expect things to get dark. I expect to see a lot of what the atrocities were done. And I expect to see a lot of drama here. So this is... Again, actors saying their thing is really good. Okay, but still, it's good to hear. Rob, you hear these comments. What are you expecting out of season three of Mandalorian? Well, as I said, I mean, I, I really liked that show. I, I thought it got better and better and better as it went along. That Bill Burr episode when he confronts oh, the, Bill the Burr Imperial stuff Officer is yeah. amazing. And, you know, I also have to judge things by the Hot Toys uh, aggregate. <laughs> I, I think that there, there have been more Hot Toys figures made from the Mandalorian than just about anything else. Um, they j just came out with a Moff Gideon figure. I mean, I never thought in my life I would really be eager to buy a Giancarlo Esposito action figure, but here we are. Now you probably have three. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now you got to get a Gus Fring. And now if they make a grief, if they make grief, if they make Carl Weathers, then hey, you know we're doing well. But um, I, uh, I think the show's been a lot of fun. It's obviously it's been like you pointed out, John. The fact that they leaned into their episodic nature of the old westerns, like Have Gun Will Travel or something like that, yeah. really, I think, made the show a lot of fun. And obviously, the reintroduction of Boba Fett happened in it, and they 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 keep giving us the the supporting cast that they've been building out are really interesting, having Dave Filoni's influence from Clone Wars and things like that, and Rebels injecting a lot of these storylines into the show to sort of make everything canonical has made it a lot of fun. And... Um, who isn't looking forward to season three after that ending? I and mean, even Favreau. I, even I, you know, the, the old man with the hard heart when Luke, Luke Skywalker shows up. Come on, man. I mean, who didn't feel like a 10 year old? I was 10 when I first met Luke Skywalker, but that was awesome. Um, Chris, you had a chance to read these comments and stuff like that. What do you take away from this? Oh, man, I'm hyped for this to be darker. I love this show so much. And I do think it's the gold standard of what Star Wars is, right? No matter how you feel about these shows, I know a lot of people too are like, the Mandalorian's overrated. And I feel those people are just trying to be edgy because objectively, even if you don't like the story, this is beautiful filmmaking or television making, right? They're mini movies. They're gorgeous to look at. This show handles B-plots and sub-characters better than anything I've ever seen. It handles them so, so well without detracting from our main through line, which is this is the story of a single dad in space. It's really what it is. And what I think is interesting is no one's touching on what I assume is going to be the darkest storyline. We saw how Grogu acts when his papa and the Internet's papa get strangled or hurt 
or maimed, right. he loses his shit now. And he is not going the way of the Jedi, it seems. So how do you handle something so powerful that is no longer having that sort of guidance, but only has familial guidance now? We've I'm, seen how that can go astray with other people who are Jedi and how they've let down their families. How's that going to work here for this chosen family? Now, but, you know, in Grogu's defense, you know, like once he knocks out the Rancor, then, then they cuddle. cuddles up to it. Yeah, then, then they he cuddle. cuddles with her. Then right? they're sweet little babies. However. <laughs> and by the way, he's eating the children of Frog Lady. Like yeah. poor Frog Lady yeah. who's just trying to have offspring. He's an adorable menace. He's an adorable But I mean, if Moff, if Moff Gideon comes after him, if Bo-Katan starts fighting him for the Darksaber, is Grogu going to understand that, hey, this is just dad fighting with a friend so they can get their rightful place on a throne. It's like when they walk in on mommy and daddy. Exactly. They're just, They're just wrestling. Don't worry about it. You know, how is this all going to pan out? By the way, are we finally going to see in season three how the hell he got out of the Jedi temple? Yeah. Like oh, that, that I think is still so. like, like, but I thought that before. I thought we were, okay, now we're going to find out how he got out of the Jedi, Jedi temple. I really hope we get that in season three. I actually, with the opening of Obi-Wan, I kind of thought maybe we might find out in Obi-Wan how how baby yoda got they out. light a fire and then they just they can't get to that's right the, the force the vader anakin cannot work <laughs> through fire that settles all that all right guys question is for you what do you think about this we're hearing this is better than the previous seasons that it's got more heft more depth and according to katie sackoff it's darker are you excited for season three do you think maybe this series is running out of steam maybe you took a little win out of your sales after watching book of boba fett whatever you guys are thinking jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, we want to take another second here and thank another sponsor of today's episode of The John Cabot Show. These are guys I've used for years now. I've used them on my editorial videos. I even use them on my own documentary. The great folks over at Storyblocks. We want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of today's video, Storyblocks. Guys, I have been an enthusiastic fan and user of Storyblocks for years. I go to them whenever I'm in need of content creation assets like royalty-free music, video clips, or templates for my creative projects, ranging anywhere from little editorial videos to my very own full feature documentary. Storyblocks helps you bring your stories, videos, and projects to life without sacrifices due to time, budget, or access to resources. They have over 1 million different story assets, ranging from stock videos, audio and music, an in-browser video editor, and they feature pre-designed templates, animations, and outros. Storyblocks uses an affordable subscription model and their unlimited access plans offers, well, unlimited video and audio downloads rather than a costly pay-per-clip model. With Storyblocks, you'll be able to create more content and more importantly, better content, all while using a subscription plan that fits your budget, utilizing unlimited downloads of demand-driven and diverse content. So if you're interested in upping your content creation game, head over to W www.storyblocks.com slash campia and get started today. That's www.storyblocks.com slash campia. And thank you to the folks at Storyblocks for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move into main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? This is from Box Office Fan. As crazy as it sounds, Jurassic World has dropped from 88 to 39 in one day, <laughs> getting some pretty bad reviews. Will this hurt the film's longtime box office? With Top Gun out and Lightyear and Minions around the corner, will this film be hurt or will the film still do well even with the bad reviews? 
All right. Thanks a lot for sending that inbox office fan. And yeah, like, so I remember we were, I think we were doing a mailbag, you and I, and somebody wrote in and said, I'm hearing some pretty bad things coming out of Jurassic World Dominion. I said, well, I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes right now. It's holding an 88. I mean, there wasn't a ton of reviews in there yet, but I said, you know, let's see what happens once we see the movie, right? Now, I was supposed to go to a Jurassic World screening the other night. Unfortunately, my wife had COVID. I was, she had tested positive. I, I had tested negative, but I thought, you know, maybe it's not a good idea to go into a theater with like three or 400 people. Even if I'm testing negative, I'd been exposed. All right. So I, I didn't go, right? Turns out I might've saved myself a drive because we talked about on the show the other day, the initial reactions coming out of that screening and they were not good. Mm-mm. They were not good at all. And yeah, now I've never seen a rating go from 88 to a 38. And here's the thing though, big day, big day. Jurassic World Dominion is now the lowest critically rated film of the entire Jurassic franchise. That well done, guys. Keep going. Yeah. This is a, How did we do you, it? You gotta, you gotta go for something, right? And you go hard if you're gonna Life go. Life finds a way. <laughs> finds a way. Okay, so check this out. If we look at the history here, so Jurassic Park, obviously the gold standard of all the Jurassic films, one of the greatest classic films of all time, 92%. Then we got into The Lost World, which took a serious drop down to 53. Then to Jurassic Park 3, which went down to 49. Then the first Jurassic World was a rebound. Made a ton of money and it had a 71% critic rating. Not as many people uh, like Jurassic World. Uh, what was the name of the se- Fallen second one? Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom. You know what? I Happily don't named. I did not mind Fallen Kingdom. I had an okay time with it. I did, but only less than half of the people agreed with me because it got a 47%. But now, by far, the lowest critically rated of all the Jurassic World movies, all the Jurassic <laughs> yes. movies, 38%. Can I, can I right. ask you guys something? If there's a restaurant and it was 88% and then the next day you looked at it, it was 33%, <laughs> would you eat there? No. 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 Yeah. I, I, yeah, I've seen that in WeHo where it's no. been, this had an A and then you go back and it's a D and you go, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not eating this ramen. That's exactly Can I just tell you one of the greatest things I've ever seen? Yes. So you know how the restaurants are required to put up their whatever, what's the name of the grade, but whatever the grade is, Mm -hmm. like A or B, right? In St. Louis, a restaurant had a D. Nice. And they hung it up in the window, but then they put other letters up in the window that spelt out go cards and just fit the D into cards. (laughs) And so they, they were following the rules. They were... I feel like it'd be so much easier to just clean your restaurant. You'd think it would be less effort just to break out a broom. Um, Have some running water in the the place. Yeah. So the question becomes, okay, so we've got a a mess of a movie on our hands. By the way, I say that a little bit tongue in cheek because, again, I I haven't seen it yet. I skipped the screening. So for all I know, I'm going to go watch it and I'm going to be one of the 38% that liked it, maybe. But on the surface, it looks like we've got a bit of a mess here. It's not going to have that big of an impact on its opening weekend because people had already bought their tickets, right? Where this will have an impact is second weekend. Because if the general audience finds itself in unison with the critics here and saying, yeah, this isn't good, then they're number one, they're not going to go back a second time, which means when they go back a second time, they're not bringing new people with them to see it. And they're not going to tell their friends to go and see it. 
And actually, the opposite is going to happen. We're going to start getting a warning going out that uh, save your money. Don't go see the Jurassic World. So I th- I'm still expecting to see a big opening weekend. Now, whether big opening weekend means $200 million or whether that means $125 million, I don't know. But I'm expecting a big opening weekend. But it sounds like it's then going to stumble a lot. I'm going to go out on a limb right now. Big, big risk here going way out there. Jurassic World Dominion will not be the next billion-dollar film, which it very well could have been. I mean, it was poised to be the first billion-dollar film of 2022. It could have been. The other films have been. And if they had crushed this one out of the park, I would have said, yeah, if the reviews and everything were great, I'd say, yeah, it will. But it doesn't sound like it. Anyway, Rob, lowest critically rated of all the Jurassic films in history. Uh, What's your thoughts on this, and how will this affect its overall business success you know I, I i've been reading the reviews and i've gleaned a little bit about what the movie's about and it sounds like it's really convoluted they had one job john all they had to do was show dinosaurs all over the world eating people that's it that's all we want to see and we want to see our our characters from the first part of the franchise and the later part of the franchise there they are we want to see them teaming up and stopping dinosaurs from eating people that is, that's it. That is this franchise. Talking about genetic engineering and corporate interests and all this other. No, the dinosaurs have been unleashed. They're out in the world. Show us that. You know, they, they show some of that, like a pterodactyl going after an airplane. That's great. That's all I want to see. Why they have to overcomplicate this process. I mean, the first Jurassic Park does it perfectly. Here's the premise. Here's Richard Attenborough. I've harnessed the power that I shouldn't have harnessed. Ian Malcolm's like, just because you could doesn't mean you should. And then the dinosaurs eat people. <laughs> and there, there's that's your franchise, man. And in this case, the entire planet Earth is a smorgasbord of humans to eat. And that's what I want to see. Just take me around. It'll be like going to like one of those those uh, uh, food courts that have multiple countries represented. You just get to eat a little bit Chinese, Italian. That's what I wanted to see. And they have to turn it into some kind of corporate convoluted even look i cried when i watched this trailer there's that one shot not maybe i cried like i cried in Lightyear or star trek to right color you got emotional watching that trailer. but yeah i got emotional and i'm like there was dinosaurs on the great plains with dudes on horsebacks you know the, the, riding the, beside riding them. beside them the sun is setting i mean this is america now <laughs> dinosaurs and horses and i was like that's what i want to see and, and so why is it why is it that I'm reading what this plot's about? I mean, they go meet Ian Malcolm, and he's giving a speech. Like, Jeff Goldblum's giving a speech, and that's how the characters all meet together, because they all went and saw a speech. I'm like, who, who thought that was a good idea? I, well, I'm not, I think that's a good idea. I, I love Malcolm's speeches. I, I, I yeah, do but, hear but, Malcolm's speeches. But speech. if he's going to give a speech, put him out in, in front of, like, I don't know, at the Vatican with the Pope talking about <laughs> yeah. how God wants dinosaurs back or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I put him know. in his leather pants. Just yeah, like, yeah. Thing near yeah, the that's Pope. exactly right. I just, I, I read what this was about. I, and look, I'm going to go see it because since I was a kid, I love dinosaurs and I want it to be good. And I'm sure that there's enough dinosaur action that I'll walk out and go, all right. Ah. 38% John. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. Once again, you know, what's great. Now Star Trek is good this week. So I can pick about something else. Chris, uh, you're seeing this. Are you surprised? Does it take the wind out of your sails to see it? Where were you before hearing these reviews? What do you think? I'm slightly surprised. I'm not super surprised. I mean, Jonathan off camera was talking about this too. Of Well, the last few films haven't been great. So it's just surprising that the one that's supposed to be ending it all, right, is this bad. 
like my esteemed colleague here, I'm still going to go see it because there's raptors at the Vatican. And I love that kind of stuff. That's very exciting. I think this is a movie, though, that you go into with a with a moonfall mentality. Mm-hmm. Right? And 4DX. My chair's going to be shaking. I'm going to be running with those raptors. Hopefully some people get eaten. I, I like when they talk about the genetic stuff, but that's because that's neat to me. But <laughs> It's neat to me, too, in the first movie in 1993. <laughs> that's fair. That is fair. But I, I think we just need to go into this film <laughs> expecting it to just be kind of meh. Popping our popcorn, if we can get it. And... <laughs> Just take it at face value. Now, the question becomes, will this movie encourage people to seek out the new classic, uh, the, what is it called again? Oh, yes, the Raptor Pastor. I hope so. I mean, yeah, that's the one. If, if Guys, it's a real thing. Look it up. Yeah. Is it uh, an asylum film? I Feels think like it an might be an asylum film or oh, an asylum-like film I love or something those. like that. I will say this, John. I do think this movie is going to do well. I don't necessarily think it's going to gross a, a billion dollars. But in all seriousness, I mean... Obviously, this is going to have a monster first weekend. Mm-hmm. Kids, look, kids still love dinosaurs. What yep. kid isn't going to go see this movie? And kids are a little less discerning than we are. And as long Sometimes. as <laughs> as long as there's enough dinosaur action in it, I think it'll do respectably well. And I'm sure it'll do well for it. Although, you know, some of the worst reviews we've heard, even people who've written into this show have been from places like Brazil or Mexico. Well, I mean, there are some countries that got it last week and yeah. we heard from some of our audience writing this is the worst thing i've ever seen to me like i'm with rob i don't see how you can have dinosaurs in a movie and it not be entertaining at, at least you know if i'm gonna go back to food if you make a breakfast burrito how do you botch a be- breakfast burrito? dude they had it's like they five do. movies of transformers you shouldn't be <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't be making breakfast burritos then you know what i mean it's like don't use dinosaurs if you can't use them right <laughs> All right, guys. Well, the question is for you. Jurassic World Dominion, it's official, is the lowest critically rated of all the Jurassic franchise. Do you got your tickets already? You, you probably do. Or are you one of our international friends who've seen it already? What are your guys' thoughts on this? Whatever they are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those there. Okay, guys. Let's go on to something else fun. Let's go on to main topic number five. This is our dark finale. This is our dark, this is our dark finale. finale. Chris, what is our fifth main topic today? Oh, it's not going to be nearly as fun as Mando season three. Uh, from Jack DiCarlo. Hi, John and crew. My God, I did not think the situation could get much worse. Ezra Miller is back in the headlines. This uh, just days after the Variety article, I'm scratching my head. Warner Brothers can no longer keep quiet about the issue. The only meaningful way it's ever been addressed is through articles. Do you think there's any way they can continue to stay silent? All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in. Okay, look, all seriousness. So the Ezra Miller situation has gone from bad to, oh, my God, bad to what the hell is going on at this point. Now, of course, we went from everything about him being caught on camera, literally choking a woman and and taking her to the ground. Uh, They threw a chair and hit another woman in the face. They apparently broke into a couple's bedroom and stole a bunch of their stuff. Uh, They, then there was another incident at something. And it's just, it seems to get more and more strange. And then just when you think this can't get any stranger and Warner brothers can't ignore this anymore. And by the way, they keep doing, by the way, what did I say Warner brothers was going to do? I said, they're going to keep up there with their philosophy of, shh, we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Ezra. Let's just, shh, because the audience are children who are easily distracted. Look, everybody, keys. Woo, and we all forget about it. And they just expect everybody to forget about it 
And we have every single time. The audience moves on after every weird, odd, disturbing incident that happens with Ezra Miller, who, by the way, I am on record. I really like Ezra Miller as the Flash. I know a lot of people don't like Ezra as the Flash. I do deal with it. But all this stuff off camera has been really disturbing. The fact that Warner Brothers has never so much as made a single comment about it has been troubling. But now it's gotten worse. And you know what? I think the threshold's been crossed. I don't think they can just go, shh, let's pretend nothing is happening anymore. So basically what's happened is this. TMZ got their hands on legal documents that have been filed by some parents. You know, instead of me trying to, to paraphrase it, let's just read what's going on here because it's disturbing. This comes to us from TMZ, wrote the following. According to new legal docs obtained by TMZ, uh, Tokata Iron Eyes met a then 23-year-old Ezra Miller in 2016 when she was 12 and the actor was visiting a Standing Rock Reservation in North Dakota. From there, uh, Takata's parents say she and Ezra developed a friendship that they believe puts Dakota at risk. Uh, Sorry, I should say, I think it's pronounced Takata. Uh, Takata's parents say Miller flew her to London in 2017 to visit the studio where Fantastic Beasts and Where Where to Find Them was filmed as she was a big fan and Miller was a star in the movie. At the time of the trip, they say she was 14 years old and Ezra was 25. As the friendship continued, Takata's parents claim Ezra supplied their underage daughter with alcohol, marijuana, and LSD. Not only that, they claim, Ezra, best known as The Flash in the DC superhero films, disrupted Takata's schooling at a private institute in Massachusetts so much that she dropped out in December of 2021. The parents say they flew to Miller's Vermont home in January to get their daughter and discovered that she didn't have her driver's license, car keys, bank card, and other items needed to navigate life independently. They say also they found bruises on her body, which they allege Ezra caused. Shortly after she got home, Takata's parents say she fled to New York City to reunite with Ezra. And from there, the pair has been traveling together to Vermont, Hawaii, and Los Angeles. The two were spotted at a club in Hawaii where another incident happened, by the way, at a club in Hawaii in video attained by TMZ. Uh, then just the next part down here in the documents, Takata's parents state that Ezra uses violence, intimidation, threats of violence, fear, paranoia, delusions, and drugs to hold sway over their young adolescent Takata. They claim Ezra told Takata to solely go by the name Gibson, a nickname she formerly used with family and friends. Uh, then there's this, they say Ezra decided Takata is non-binary transgender when she had previously declared herself non-binary queer gay. All right. So. These are parents that have filed this with the court to say that this individual, Ezra Miller, has had this relationship with our daughter since she was 12. It's given her drugs, uh, making her change her name. When we finally went to go get her back from their house, she didn't have her keys, her ID, her bank card, her whatever, and she had bruises. And we are terrified and we need, they're seeking a court order to basically keep Ezra away from her now in response and again we're going to read this in length because i think there's some interesting things here takata put out that her own statement about this in response to the parents and friends that she has being really really concerned this is what she wrote she wrote 
I'd like to make a statement to acknowledge the tragedy that is the narrative of the general public and the assumptions made on my behalf by my family and friends regarding my stability and otherwise. I dropped out of Bard five months ago. Uh, my friends and comrade William passed away, uh, passed shortly thereafter. My mind was incredibly impacted and I've needed space and time for the processing of grief. Uh, my comrade, Ezra Miller, for the entirety of the aforementioned era has only provided loving support and invaluable protection throughout this period of loss. I am in no way or under any circumstance have been during my short-lived adulthood in need of a conservatorship. This same sort of thing that uh, Britney Spears was just under. Mm -hmm. um, uh, where was that? Uh, yeah. My father and his allegations hold no weight. And, and are frankly transphobic and based on the notion that I am somehow incapable of coherent thought and opposing opinions to those uh, of my own kindred worrying about my well-being. I am now aware uh, of the severity of emotional and psychological manipulation I was made uh, to endure while in my parents' home. I am an adult and I deserve to feel authority in my own body. I'm tired of wondering whether or not cops are going to show up, blah, 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 blah. There's no fucking way an 18-year-old wrote this. You don't think so? Uh, no. Sorry. As somebody from the legal field, I'm telling you, an 18-year-old didn't write that. And and this is, look, again, I am not a psychological expert. Let me just say that. What I am about to say is as a Joe fucking nobody who's sitting on the outside just looking at this stuff. That's all you're getting from me is my own, you know, flippant opinion. All right? But the, the language that is used in here, that's the language of somebody who's been brainwashed. All of a sudden now the parents are the enemy. The parents have had me under this and this and this. The parents have sent her off to a private school and blah. It, it's this. My comrade, Ezra Miller, has been protecting me. You know, when the parents go to the house and find that all the stuff you need to survive independently from this other person has been taken away from you and you got bruises, they take him away. And it's so bad that she then runs away again to join up with this performer, this actor, who has been in their life since they were 12. Look. Like in a lot of these other situations, I'm not there. I, I'm not in the room. I haven't seen this thing with my own eyes. I am smart enough to know that I don't know because I'm not there. Everybody on the internet thinks they know because of things they read on the interwebs. I'm smart enough to know that I don't know. But I would be lying and facetious if I didn't say that seeing a couple of parents feel so desperate that they have to go to the court to ask for help this is really disturbing stuff. I had somebody in Warner Brothers yesterday message me that basically said, I don't know how they can ignore this now. By they meaning those who would be their bosses. I don't know how this can be ignored anymore. Like, what do you do? How do you promote the Flash movie now? You, you can't have the star of the movie out promoting the film. You cannot put the star of this movie in a room with press to ask them questions because I guarantee you the questions they ask ain't going to even be about the Flash. So tell us about that girl you hit in the face with a chair. So tell us about the 12-year-old or the 14-year-old who flew out to, to London. Tell us, about, tell us about this, comrade. Tell us about all this. That's, that is going to be the narrative. So now you're David Zaslov, new head of Warner Brothers, and like this whole time, you're like, what the F have I inherited with this situation? You can't just throw the Flash movie away. You spent hundreds of millions of dollars wrapped up in that thing. You can't just throw it away, but you can't release it. You can't talk about it. And look, let me throw this out there too, giant asterisks. For all we know, if we flat fast forward now five months into the future, 
maybe a video gets released that shows everything is exactly as she just put it in that writing. Okay, hey, listen, I'm, I'm acknowledging that right now. Maybe we find that out. Like I said, I wasn't there. Going on my interpretation of what we're seeing, though, which is limited, I, I don't know how you release this film. I this is this is now gone beyond the let's just jingle some keys in front. Let's release a new picture of Michael Keaton as Batman. Yeah, yeah, that'll make everybody forget about it. And it that's worked. That has worked for Warner Brothers before. I don't know how this works anymore. Like, uh, and so what do you do? Do you just drop it on HBO Max? Because I'll tell you right now, Ezra Miller will never be the Flash again. Now the only question is, is it going to impact this movie that we have all been very much looking forward to seeing? And how are we going to see it? And are we going to see it at all? Because this, if you are David Zaslav, no matter how mighty and sharp your axe is, this is a nightmare situation for them. And I just don't know what they're going to do. Rob, you just read the whole very dark, disturbing thing here. Let's not pretend like we're psychologists and we know the inner workings of everybody's mind. But so let's look at this from a movie perspective, right? You are David Zaslov's Lieutenant. You are the one who holds the ax and hands it to him when he wields it in mighty battle. And he says to you, Rob, what the actual F do we do here? What's your counsel to Warner brothers this morning? <laughs> it's a really tough call. Um, I think right now there's, there's really no way that, especially in the times that we're in, there's there's so many issues with this situation that there's no there's no to make profit for a studio with all of these potential issues, personal issues, issues of gender identity, uh, issues of of controlling people. There's so many crazy things in the story. If Warner Brothers were to release this film. There's no way around the fact that it would look like they are profiteering off what could be a very unsavory situation. You just can't do it. I don't know what the answer is. I've never seen anything like this before. Like in Hollywood history, we've been watching these dominoes fall one after the other about the star of a film. I mean, you know, when when Kevin Spacey was accused of impropriety, Ridley Scott was like, that. Ah. I'm cutting him out, and I'm going to replace him with Christopher Plummer. And within, a CG Christopher Plummer is going to be our new Flash. Uh, within, Love it. Within Love a week, it. I mean, it was unbelievable how quickly there was decisive action, and he just did it. And we've talked about it on this show. He's the star. Ezra Miller doesn't even. There's more. There's multiple Ezra. Miller. Yeah, there's multiple Ezra. He's not just in so, one. So what do you do? You cannot go in and deep fake this with another actor. You'd have to reshoot these because scenes. they're in far too much of it. Yeah, I mean, and then also. Let's say you don't release this movie, right? You sit on it. Then this becomes even more this notorious film that everybody wants to see. Because, you know, I want to see it. I just want to see if it's real on Chris's behalf. No, but I want to see I want to see the movie. Why wouldn't if Michael Keaton's coming back as Batman? It's based on the Flashpoint storyline. I mean, everything about this movie is attractive to me. But now you have a lead. I don't know if I could even watch this movie. Like, I couldn't get out of my head. I mean, if he if he truly, like, I think that there's a truth here that's somewhere nebulously in the middle of all this. You know, there's a lot of stuff. You've got a, she was going to Bard College, apparently. Bard's a very prestigious institution. And Ezra Miller was paying for that, apparently. Why were parents letting her fly at 14 
across the pond to London. We were talking about that yesterday. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of things that are going on here. That now the par- I mean, I can see how parents. I've heard this from other parents that who who have children that are going through identity issues and they don't have friends like Ezra Miller, and they're beside themselves. So, I think it's it's too early on. There's too much about this that I would be quick. I don't want to judge something that I've only read about in the media for a day. You know, I'd love to hear more about it. But in terms of the movie, dude, I just think that um, I don't know what you do with it. I've never seen anything like this before. Chris, you're in the boardroom at Warner Brothers right now. David Zaslav's at the head of the table, very upset, doesn't Mm -hmm. know what to do. And he looks to the generals and says, how do we approach this? What do we do? Do we continue with the shh, let's not talk about this philosophy? Do we proceed full speed ahead with, hey, listen, it's not coming out for another year. We got time for this to die down. Uh, Do they make some sort of move now? What do you think ultimately is going to happen with this movie? I mean, I feel like they've been doing the it's going to die down approach this whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's just gotten exponentially worse. And I, I will say, you know, TMZ stories and things like that, right? It's why we sat on this yesterday. It's why... More research needed to be done. More sources need to be found and everything. And then Deadline wrote about it. And then Deadline talked about and everything, right? This is not a good look. This is not a good look at all. Ezra Miller is just doubling down on abhorrent behavior, just beyond the pale. And how do you have that happening in a film that, that is about a hero? That's about a character that kids are supposed to look up to that there's going to be action figures of and everything. And I know that's a very ridiculous kind of stance of there's going to be action figures of this guy. Truly, though, this is going to be somebody's hero. And it's somebody who's potentially been grooming people, who harms people, who throws chairs at people and chokes people. That's not okay. That I shouldn't have to say that's not okay. <laughs> Just, the, my big thing in the boardroom would be, did we all miss that day in pre-K? about treating others how we want to be treated? Did we just totally miss that day where you can't hit other kids? This is outrageous. And I actually, somebody on the plane coming back from CinemaCon who worked for WB stopped me and asked me about our, their panel and everything. Did that, and I did a, you know what I want you guys to talk about. Right. I keep talking about it on the show. I want you to say something about Ezra Miller. Oh, I know, I know. They need to take a stand. Other studios have done it for so much less. And right now, by staying silent, it makes them complacent. By staying silent, it makes it seem like you agree with these actions. And while that very, very much, I'm sure, is not the case, that's what happens if you aren't adding to the conversation. Someone's going to create the narrative for you. At some point, they at least have to come forward, I think, Warner Brothers. And again, I've said it before, but it needs to be stated again. We are smart enough to know that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. We are reading this in deadline and in a report and whatever. We're reading this. We weren't there. We don't know. But I think at this moment, you're right. It, it crosses a line from being Warner Brothers saying, let's, let's ignore this to they start to become complacent mm-hmm. and and complicit. Mm-hmm. At some point, they need to at least say, um, obviously, we at Warner Brothers are, are disturbed by the allegations that are being made and we are going to launch an independent third party investigation into it. I mean, they at least have to say that. And even if they come back to us in three, four, five months and say, you know, we, we looked into it, we found there was some embellishment in the reports and blah, 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 and we're going to move ahead. I mean, at least then it looks like they've done something about it. I'm not sure. Ray. Um, I'm just going to talk about the movie itself, not the situation. It's hard for me to stomach, but just the movie itself. Some I someone said uh, something in the chat 
which I forgot their name, but they said, do you think they could edit out certain parts of the movie and just put it in another movie after doing a multiverse thing? Do you think that could be a possibility no. where Ezra's not even in it? They take out the Keaton parts, maybe put it in something else. No, then you're, like you're just trying shot. to Frankenstein something together, yeah. and that would end up being even worse because now not only have you destroyed and ruined and ha throwing away this one like $200 million movie you've made, now you're ruining your overall franchises by trying to put something that's like Frankenstein together, right? So that's, I, I mean, it, that's thinking outside the box, but unfortunately that's not really going to be an option for them. You know, I think it would be easy for Warner Brothers to just give a statement and say, Pending our investigation and pending the 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 looking into this in some way, we are temporarily off our release schedule. That's that's what they do. That right now we are we are uh, postponing the flash indefinitely, and based on the results of whatever investigations have to occur here or whatever's going on, that's all they need to say. That's decisive action because look, Warner Brothers, they're not cops. They're not there to deliver justice in the world. I mean, maybe social justice for the stories they tell, but they're just a movie studio. And I don't think all they can do is come out and say the right move for them would be to say we are postponing this film indefinitely, uh, pending. For word, because if they do say on. that now, they may not even have to, to, to delay it at all. Because again, the release date for the movie is more yeah. than a year away. But, but like you said, the, the, they the, have to acknowledge it. What makes it really difficult for them right now is that from what we have heard, from what we have heard, this movie is pivotal to what their future strategy is, right? So it becomes a movie that it's like the option of just taking it and quietly throwing it away and let's never speak about it again. That's not really an option for them. Not, not only because it's, it costs them so much to do it, but apparently this movie is what sets the stage for a lot of the other things they want to do later on down the road. So, I, I mean, here's why, what I see as being their options right now. Their options right now are, uh, notwithstanding delays, their options right now are release this film in theaters and give it the full thing and just don't promote it. Don't have any press junkets for it. Don't put Ezra Miller on the road to promote it. Blah, blah, just put it out in theaters. Two, release it on HBO Max. Uh, three, just toss the film. I don't think number three is a valid option for no. them. So I think it's going to have to be... One or two, but what they do in the meantime is unclear. Also, yeah. you know, these stories, this, this story about the parents, it's a very outlandish story. And there's a lot of questions that I have about, about it. Just, you know, having been a teenager myself and seeing kids going through things with their parents, this story is very odd on, on a number of different levels. So I think it does warrant further investigation, and we need to find out from all parties what's actually going on. Yeah, and I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I don't care. Yeah. Like, this, like yeah, none either. of this, like the only reason I think that we even bring this up on here is because what's happening in this story is going to have a direct impact on the movies we see, you know, yeah. th and there's a movie here. There's a very prominent movie, the flash Because again, I am not an investigator. I don't, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know what the parents did or didn't do what Ezra did or didn't do whatever. I, I, I look at what's being presented. I think like everybody, I'm feeling pretty disturbed by it. Yeah. And so the only question I'm really posing to everybody, that's why I'm not sitting here asking, what do you think the parents' responsibility is everybody? Yeah. No, no, right. that's because you None don't of us fucking there. know. None yeah, of us we don't. And neither do I, right? And, so, and it's not up to Warner Brothers to either no. look. Yeah, there. we're just trying to figure out what is Warner Brothers going to do about their movie. And right. that that's where it's going to get kind of sticky. Anyway, guys, Question is for you. Let's say you're 
in the uh, battle room right now. You're in the war room with David Zaslav. The axe is hanging on the wall. And he says, what do we do about this, it's ladies and sharpened. gentlemen? It's been sharpened. It's sharp. What do we do about this? Swing away, Meryl. <laughs> Swing <laughs> away. Swing <laughs> away. <laughs> then what do you say? Would you recommend to David, let's let's plow ahead. Let's uh, let let's let's say we're postponing the film. Let's say we're going to do an investigation. Let's continue with our philosophy of shh. Let's just not talk about it. Do you put it onto HBO Max? What sage advice and counsel as the consigliere do you give David Zaslav right now and what they should do with this Flash movie? It's a complicated situation. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, we're going to take your live comments, questions, thoughts, opinions, theories, whatever. I'm sure we're going to get some Ezra Miller stuff in here, Ghostbusters stuff, whatever you guys want to write and talk about. So we are now opening up the Super Chats. Again, they're only going to be open for a couple of minutes because they fill up fast. So make sure you get them fired in. Now, guys, be very, very careful about putting in multi-part. If you want to put in multi-part ones, write them out in a notepad first and then copy and paste them in quickly so they're not. we don't have to scroll for them too much. All right, but before we get to those live questions, guys, we want to take a second and thank the very first sponsor of the John Campy Show. These guys, when we started taking sponsorships, they were the first one up at bat, and we're thrilled to have them back again, our friends at Upside. Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of today's video, Upside. You guys remember a while ago, I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible, easy-to-use app for buying groceries, dining out, or even buying gas. And with every purchase you make at those shops, restaurants, or gas stations, you are earning cash back thanks to Upside. When I started using Upside, I was incredibly impressed with just how easy the app is to use and how easy it is to start accumulating cash that I can deposit directly into my bank account, PayPal, Amazon gift card, many different ways. And like I said, I was incredibly incredibly impressed at just how easy and simple and straightforward the process is to start getting cash back now. To get started, just download the free Upside app in the Apple App Store or Google Play. Use my promo code CAMPIA, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Once you've got the app, just claim an offer for whatever it is you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a debit card or a credit card, and get Paid. Download the free Upside app and use promo code Campia Show to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using the promo code Campia Show. And a big thank you to the folks at Upside for being a sponsor of today's episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that all down, let's now go over and hear what you guys have to say in the live chat. Chris, what do we got going on in there? We are starting off with some support from One Gen Jar and P Dot. Thanks so much, you guys. Thank you guys for sending that in. From Josh Khan, WB is in a poker position when you bet big on Pocket Kings early, but you know you have a losing hand now. Better to recast, reshoot now, fold like in poker, as it's better long-term for the franchise. Josh, that's one of the greatest comments ever written in. I'll tell you why, because it's a poker analogy. Tell you what, the Kings, pocket Kings. Guys, those of you who are watching who play a little bit of poker, right? You know this is the case. Pocket Kings are the most dangerous hand in poker. And here's and this why. Because people don't have discipline. You can get pocket Kings. It's a great hand. It's a fabulous hand. One of the best starting hands in poker. But if you get to the flop and an ace comes, you got to be ready to lay those Kings down. You got to be well, ready to fold and walk away. But people get attached to their Kings. And they get themselves in trouble. Why am I saying all that? Because your analogy is perfect. This is what Warner Brothers finds themselves in. 
you've got maybe they from what we've heard they believe they have a fantastic movie in flash right the early word has been very very good that they they think they got pocket kings and ezra miller shaped ace has just hit the flop though and you've got to be willing to save yourself long term to say okay we need to do something you can't just ride out those pocket kings when there's an ace on the board, man. You're just asking for trouble, and it looks like Warner Brothers might be asking for trouble. But we'll see what happens. All right, what's next? From Andy, one of two. Day started off really bad today. My car's Cadillac converter got stolen under my nose. Ooh. That happened to Ray's family, too. Uh, this specific theft has been massively surging lately, and... All right, we'll They're, just have to get oh, to it. There oh, there it is. They're relatively simple to remove and take. Average cost of replacement and repair is 1K to 3K. Wants to let everyone know to be vigilant with their cars. Yeah, again, uh, uh, Ann and Ray's mom had her catalytic converter stolen, oh, too. Oh, that's awful. It's one of the reasons why I like that I drive Sorry, a Tesla. Andy. It doesn't have one. Uh, but yeah, that's been a huge thing with a lot of people, man. Yeah, and great warning. People, just be careful. Look where you're parking. Make sure you're around a security camera or something. All right, what's next? From Mufasa, did you see that in the She-Hulk trailer when Hulk and She-Hulk jump and land? That isn't Professor Hulk. That is Hulk Hulk with the t-shirt ripped. I don't recall thinking, you know what? Thank you for pointing that out. I will go back and watch that trailer again because I do like the trailer quite a bit. I'm going to go back, watch the trailer again. I'll see that. But I, I, think, I think it is Professor Hulk. But I don't know. We'll see. Did you guys notice anything different? No. I, I mean, just because so. the shirt's ripped, that doesn't mean it's not Professor Hulk. Yeah. Right? So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right. What's next? From Drew L. Ray, it's crazy how Disney gets killed for not immediately speaking against they don't say gay thing, but WB is getting away with ignoring the Ezra stuff. I mean, one affects a much, much smaller group of people, one a much larger group of people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a false equivalent. We're talking about two very, yeah. very one, different things. And one's about legislation that affects an entire state where the company is based. Yeah. Versus and one is an about, you know, the, the actions of one, in, uh, the alleged actions of one individual. So mm -hmm. they're very, very different situations. All right, what's next? From Thomas BDL. Hey, uh, hi, John and team. What do you think of Shining Girls on Apple TV? I know Rob likes the book. I haven't read it, but I loved the atmosphere of the show. Not going to lie. I haven't even heard of it. Rob? Uh, well, it's a great, it's a great Elizabeth Moss stars in it. Oh, it's that's the Elizabeth Moss yeah, one. Yeah, okay, I've yeah. seen that, but I, I didn't know what the name of the show was. It's very, the book is very interesting. The show looks terrific, and I've only heard great things about it. It looks like it's beautifully produced. You know, I love literary, I love horror literary adaptations. I mean, it might not be your thing. But it looks great. I haven't watched it. You know why? I keep forgetting about it. Every time I see something, every time someone mentions it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can go, I can go watch Shining Girls. I always forget. I, even when I'm with Elizabeth, she's like, well, what are we going to watch? Are we, which of the shows were the 10 shows we're getting through now? I never remember Shining Girls. Well, yeah, yeah, at some point, I think I'll watch it just because I like Elizabeth Moss. The book is great, and the show looks like it's a really great adaptation. All right, what's so. next? From Ryan, Obi-Wan. We'll say I'm your father. Leia, grandfather, maybe. Ewan McGregor is 16 years younger than Jimmy Smits. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes, but but she knows that Jimmy Smits is her adopted father, right? So, I mean, there's that. I mean, I think they're trying to play in that Ewan is now older than he was back in the day. Yeah, a little preposterous, yes, but incredibly charming nonetheless. All right, what's next? From Amin, uh, I was at the Mando panel at Celebration where they showed us a full trailer for season three, and it was awesome. It's going to be about going back to Mandalore. Can't wait for you all to see what they showed us. Yeah, now I went to Star Wars Celebration, but I did not go to any of the panels. I just loved walking the floor and met many of you guys there. Thank you for coming up and saying hi. 
um, that look, but I heard that the trailer, I haven't seen it, but I heard that the trailer was great. I'm waiting for them to drop it. And we all kind of suspected it was all going to be going back to Mandalore, but I'm very, very excited to see that I'm in. All right, what's next? From Blue Magma, some support. Thank you Thank so you, much. Thank you, Blue. Josh Becker, I watched Hustle on Netflix today. It was great. Yeah, that, of course, is the new Adam Sandler one. Um, I have not tuned into it yet, but I have heard, I'm not going to lie to you, the trailers did not do anything for me, but I've heard nothing but good things. He's a basketball scout, right? Yeah, I believe he plays a basketball scout who's pursuing a dream of his or whatever. I, LeBron James is involved with the movie in some way, shape, or form. I'm not sure about it, but I've heard nothing but good things. Thanks for the recommendation. All right, what's next? From Movie Talk, sending in a $20 super Thank chat. Thank you, Movie Talk. Hi, Campia crew. Warning. With everything going on with Ezra, I think they'd fit perfectly into the world of the boys. They'd be the new leader of the Church of the Collective. Ezra's name would be The Flash, just without the powers. Oh. Uh, hey, listen. You know, watching episode one again, I mean, the boys loves riffing on things happening in our real world. And even it's like, you're a fraud. Tony Gilroy reshot most of the movie. I know. I'm like, they play on that a lot. And I I wouldn't be surprised at all to see some kind of Ezra Miller storyline worked into the boys at some point. Would not be surprised at all. Anyway, well pointed out, man. All right. What's next? From Jay Blang, Rob, you weren't wrong in believing that the plot for uh, Jurassic World Dominion would be what you were hoping for. The trailers and official synopsis suggested it. Well, you know, just like what I was talking about, the the idea that we've unleashed an alien ecosystem from 65 million years ago onto our world today, that's a great threat. That's a great, uh, how do we deal with that? It's also from a science fiction standpoint, a great allegory climate change, call it what you will. That's always the basis of great science fiction entertainment. Uh, And you add dinosaurs eating people, it's just that much more entertaining. And I I think that the what they're talking about, at least, and again, I haven't seen the movie, just what I've been reading about in the, even the reviews when they explain the plot, it seems unnecessarily convoluted. So, but, but here's hoping. All right, what's next? From the moon. The moon. This question is for everyone. Why do you think Disney Plus gives us the option to subscribe to their service monthly or annually, but Netflix only gives us three tiers to choose from, but not monthly or annually? Thoughts? I mean, that's that's not just a streaming thing. That is a marketing choice, right? Like we see many, many different industries have, hey, you can sign up for a monthly subscription or you can pay a little bit less if you sign up for the entire year. And then other things will have different levels of things you can do. I mean, just look at something like PlayStation, right? PlayStation's got that new PlayStation Plus Essentials, PlayStation Plus whatever things. But it's three different levels. You can pay different things for the different services you get. It's just really a marketing thing that is not unique to the streaming service at all. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think there's something also different in the sense that Netflix, their only business is their subscription. You know, that's That's it. all they got. That's all they got. Whereas Disney, they're used to having different tiers for their entertainments. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Netflix doesn't want to say that, oh, you're only signing up for three months. Oh, we don't want that. We want ongoing subscribers. That's how they chart their business. All right. What's next? From official friend zone, Rob, I hope I made you proud. I bought a limited edition $1,300 three foot tall statue of Smaug the Dragon from Weta Workshop wow. who designed the original dragon, the Hobbit. I'll DM it to you. I would love to see that. Oh, yeah. I'll bet it's, look, uh, what a great dragon. I would too. make room for that on this desk. This there's a lot already going on on this desk, but I would make room somewhere on this desk. For yeah, that. Weta Workshop, they do some good work. And you know what? I am proud of you. I'm proud that you dropped. I hope you have a significant other that you snuck that $1,300 out from under their noses 
and you were able to purchase that when it shows up at your house come up with a really great excuse you want it in a contest yeah yeah and that's that's half the fun of buying these large-scale collectibles is is pulling one over on either your parents your significant other or whatever i don't know how this got here isn't it amazing though it's cool right this is Uh, terrible relationship advice (laughs) yeah yeah elizabeth no no you 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 don't like okay you gotta understand for three years, the first conversation every morning, besides some complaint about Star Trek. So the first conversation for three years that R- Rob shows up and the conversation is always a variation of this. X toy arrived today. Elizabeth complained that I spent too much on these toys. And like, I've never said it, but it's like, well, Rob, she may have a point. I mean, you are literally coming in here every day saying this arrived today. It's like, that's a lot of coin, man, for these. I think on the flip side, Elizabeth and I watched this new episode of Star Trek together. And I turned to her and I said, honey, this was the best episode of Star Trek since 2005. All right. What's next? At this point, Rob has more toys in his house than house. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why they needed the new house. No, they're on the garage, baby. They're on the garage. Come on. From Jmaster12, sending in a $50 super chat. Thank you, Jay, for supporting us on that level, man. Breaking news. Disney has officially announced Marvel Studios' next onstage event will be at D23, not Comic-Con, Saturday, September 10th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to showcase highly anticipated theatrical films, Disney Plus series, and specials. The second part of Jay's thing. There we go. Uh, sending in an additional $10. And Lucasfilm will announce their highly anticipated theatrical films, Disney Ooh. Plus series, and specials on the same day, September 10th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time at Hall D23. Yeah, so we talked the other day about will Marvel be at Comic-Con this year? And 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 I mentioned, like, it's, uh, it's iffy. I mean, they got D23 there coming up. They just came off of Star Wars Celebration. They're going to try to make this thing. And I don't doubt for a second now that... Avengers Con is going to become a real thing. I think Avengers Con is absolutely going to become a real thing. I think they're probably moving away from that. I mean, listen, to me, that is disappointing as somebody who likes going to Comic Con. I haven't stepped foot in Hall H in five years. I mean, I mean, before the pandemic, I haven't stepped foot in Hall H. I really don't care about that. Listen, 150,000 people go to Comic Con. Hall H can hold 6,000. Yeah. That means 90 something percent of people. They don't go to Hall H anyway. The line right? wraps around the convention center now. You're outside. People For hand days. out bottles of water and people camp out in there. Yeah. Like they don't leave, you guys. I haven't been to Hall H in years either. The, literally, the last time I was in Hall H, I was moderating one of the panels. Mm-hmm. That's And that's the only way I could get in. Because I was freaking moderating the no, panel. No, it's that true. It. I, I think you. I, I did a, a a drive-in panel for low-budget films in Hall H. I moderated a panel. And I think you might be right. That would be the last time. Which is sort of unfortunate that, you know, Comic-Con used to be a place where you could drift in and out of panels. Yeah. And it was so much fun. And, you know, I've been going there since 88. And now it's just a chore. And I love Comic-Con. Yeah. But you can't you can't go and enjoy it. Everything has to be planned. You're running everywhere. It's, uh, I can tell you, though, there's going to be one magnificent panel at Comic-Con this year. <laughs> so, yes, I am doing a, a panel at Comic-Con this year, but we're, I'm not allowed to say what the name of it is or where the, the specific details. But once they tell me we can reveal that, I'll reveal it. All right. What's next? Thanks for that, Jay Master, yeah. by the way. I appreciate that, man. Peter Cunnington. I heard a rumor they might be making a sequel to Moonfall. Uh, don't laugh. I did hear that same thing. Did you hear it from Ray? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> were you drunk at the time? <laughs> uh, no, seriously. I, I heard there there's there's some discussions going on about maybe taking another shot at it because of the big <laughs> open end of the fi- end of the uh, well, there's right? a, that movie just screams it's for that sequel. Begging for a sequel. <laughs> I mean, oh Roland Emmer did say he had a Moonfall trilogy. He did. He said he had a trilogy planned out. I, I, and the third one has to be Moonrise. Moonrise. It could happen. If it does, it would be a straight-to-home video, massively reduced budget sort of thing. Uh, but I, I don't think it'll happen, but I'd say there's a 20% chance it does, but never making it into a movie theater. I mean, you could do, I mean, Moonfall, Moonshadow, Moonrise. Boom. Come on, there's your trilogy. There's your Moon trilogy. Would you go see that, Ray? No. <laughs> He's Come over on, it. All right, what's next? From Ben Rayner, I've been saying it all the time, HBO Max is the answer. It's the lesser of two evils, in my opinion. Of, of course, okay, no, it's it's an option. I don't know that it's the answer. Because everybody forgets something. Once you decide to put it on HBO Max, you are accepting we're losing hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, I mean look, it's it's just that. And that is not an easy thing. It's not the answer. It might be the option they go with. It is an option, but you are literally acknowledging saying we are just having to accept that we're just going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars. And there it is. And that's going to be a tough one to swallow, even though it might be the one they have to swallow. Well, also, John, if word that we've heard is to be believed, this film is also a great movie. Yeah. And to leave to leave a great film out in the cold because of problems in the real world is a damn shame. All the people that are working on it, all the people that have. Andy Muschietti had nothing to do with any of this. None, nothing. Andy Muschietti is just a director who you went in and he made the best damn movie that he could. Now, I, we haven't seen it. We don't know that it's good, but we're hearing that it's good. He's just, it's so uh, I feel real bad for damn Andy right now. I feel real bad for him. All right, what's And that? I just got my Hot Toys Pennywise figure. I was going to say, what does that have to do with The Flash? It had to do with Andy <laughs> Muschietti. All right. What's next? From Seconds of Disaster, one of three. We all know that Marvel hasn't been top tier post Endgame, but one thing that I love is that every uh, every property has been completely unique. Yeah, Ms. Marvel is it, it's up here. Yeah. Is so different in every way. The style, the word bubbles, text and background stuff, pure genius. And this finally feels like they found their footing. And yep. and didn't write in. Yeah, guys, I warned you about trying to put in these multiple messages. Listen, I mentioned this on the Ms. Marvel after show yesterday is that they have they have always done their best to make it so, um, you know, one feels like a political thriller. One feels like a heist movie. One feels like a comedy. One feels like a straight up action movie. One's a little more psychedelic. But lately they've really made everything feel differently. So unique. Like I, I didn't end up loving Moon Knight, but I enjoyed Moon Knight, but it was so different from anything else they'd done. And then you go into Ms. Marvel, which again, this is tonally content. Like this is so radically different from anything they've done. Yeah. I've got some problems with the modern phase of the MCU, but one thing you got to give them, man, they are really trying to mix it up and give us a really wide ranging variety of stuff. And I really do appreciate that. All right. What's next? From Andy. Hi, John. If Ray is the concierge to Hotel Campia, as you say he is, then can he welcome me to the Hotel Campia? Such a lovely place. Such a lovely face. Welcome to the hotel. Yes. Does that make him the devil? Does that make Ray the devil? Not sweet little Ray. I have no idea what you're talking about. Are you making a movie reference? No, that's a reference to the old Eagle song, Hotel California. 
Right. Ray will check you out <laughs> I have no anytime idea. you like. Ray was you napping. Never you can never leave. All right, what's next? From Logan Landis, let me paint you a picture. It's a nice night with a full moon. A beautiful woman approaches Ray, asks him to go see a 4DX movie. She explains it's a re-release of Terminal. Hashtag Raygasm. Yeah, I think if you also walk up to him with a big plate of like pulled pork, do that all once. You've just checked. Pulled check, pork, check. you have no. You, have you no love food. pulled pork. I hate pulled pork. Well, I it's was with skin. you. Can't, it's I the was skin with of the you. pork. It's the skin of the pork. You no, got I was with you when you were like ordering that pulled pork. I remember that. That what, was not, there. You, you can't lie to me, Ray. What if this beautiful woman I came hate. up with your like chipotle order already for the movie is that there she wipey? you go you're checking okay. a lot of boxes for ray here. Right? you're there checking you a lot of boxes. ladies take fantasies. a note all right what's next well, please don't send me pulled pork that's, that's <laughs> an internet lie what's next from raymond i took a class under light years director angus mclean and co-animator adam wood wow he's a pixar lifer every week he'll ask us what movies we have watched lately Together they look like Wood and Buzzy, uh, Woody and Buzz. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> oh, that's cute. But that's it's it's always cool when you've had encounters, exposure to like certain people, and then later those people are doing something or involved in something really cool and big, and it just kind of makes you feel special at the same time. I love that kind of stuff. Thanks for sharing that, Raymond. Appreciate that, man. All right, what's next? From Suthius, some perspective. When Dwayne was announced as Black Adam in 2014, we had one child who was four. Now we have a 12-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 4-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. And and remember that he had actually been working on getting Black Adam together with him in it for about five years prior to that. Mm -hmm. So this thing is a long time coming. Like, it is a long time. I still remember being at the CinemaCon back in the day when Dwayne Johnson came out on stage and says, I'm Black Adam. You know, the DC Universe will heal under my boot and all this kind of stuff, right? That was like two children ago. Like, that is crazy. All right, what's next? From Zashan, WB now know, uh, now knows who to learn from to market to kids. Oh. Oh, wow. That almost deserves That's, a Ray Boo. Ooh. All right, what's next? Uh, we did that, Jay Master. All right, yes, we from uh, Brand Demand, two of my favorite things in life, Paul McCartney and the Toy Story franchise. Next week, I'll be seeing Paul on Thursday and Light Year on Friday. All Can't right. wait. Didn't he just do like a big concert in LA? Yeah. Like brought yeah. the yeah. SoFi so so Stadium. I tell That's you wild. what, I can literally, our friend Scott Mance is a massive Beatles fan, like, like psychotic, huge, massive. And I can hear him cry whenever I say, meh, the Beatles. I actually don't think the Beatles are that great. I'm more of a Stones guy. What can I say? Dude, I'm Prince all day. Oh, day. yeah. You're all about the Prince stuff. All right. Music I saw them romance. both at Coachella. Prince and Paul McCartney. What's next? From VJ. Oh, my God. Everything Everywhere All at Once is now available for digital purchase. For anyone who hasn't seen it, now's your chance. BJ, good on you. You're doing God's work. It is the best film of the year. I mean, I've seen some great stuff this year. But for me, that is still... Hands down, the most creative, heartwarming. It, it's everything. And damn, Michelle Yeoh, so. come on. <laughs> so I, she's oh, she's so good. I, yeah, go see it. It's the best film of the year. All mm -hmm. right, what's next? Orlando. Hey, John and crew. Was there any movie that their reviews went down that quickly? I No, I can't think of any. Mm -mm. I mean, we've seen some like, uh, for instance, like Eternals was at like 70 plus and then end up below 50. But like going from like an 88 to a yeah. 38 that not fast. Good. Not, not good, and I've, I've never seen anything quite like what that. What do we think the second weekend drop is? I mean, it, listen, we haven't heard word of mouth yet, really, but mm -hmm. I'm. We're, it all depends on how big the opening weekend is, right? Because right? if the opening weekend is like 90 million, 
I could see the second weekend being a 55% drop. Mm-hmm. But if the opening is like 140, 150, I could see a plus 70, a plus 60% drop. Yeah. All right, what's next? The word that rhymes with orange. What do you do if you find yourself in Jurassic Park? You get your ass out. Oh, uh, boy. All right, I'll, I'll give you the drum shot for that. That's no, not bad. All right, I'll give you that one. Is that all right. a gin shot? <laughs> what's next? <laughs> From Addison, Last of Us remake on PS5 and PC just got announced, and it looks amazing. I'm honestly super excited. A good time to be a fan of the series. Yeah, listen, so much good stuff happening. Plus, a lot of people are going to be rediscovering with the new PlayStation passes they have coming. So we've got the, the series coming, which mm-hmm. I, I think it looks like it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. we got HBO doing it, so yeah. it's going to be great. It is a very good time to be a Last of Us fan. All right, what's next? From Lucky BX, hi crew. My love for storytelling began in the 80s, watching ABC Soaps with Grandma. Huh. I still watch today. Did you guys ever watch Soaps? Tell you what, I got strep throat when i was in grade nine and it was it was a bad case of it i was actually like out of school for like three weeks wow and when you this is pre-streaming you know so what's on in the afternoons <laughs> soap operas and i'd be lying to you if i didn't get into young and the restless little house i got <laughs> i well that's a little before my time i think but i i got into young and the restless with uh i still remember the names it was jack abbott uh, his father, John Abbott, and his sister, Ashley Abbott. And the big battle in the show was Jack Abbott versus Victor something. I, that was the big... And I think that dude who played Victor, and I think the guy who played Jack Abbott, I think they're still in the show, too. Not a lot changed there. But yep, for three weeks, I got hooked on... Uh, I got Young and the Restless. Or as my mom used to call it, the Young and the Restless. I don't know why she used to call it that, but she did. Dude, I was a mid-'80s general hospital fanatic because of my mother. And uh, we would. I was in college. We would during time, the Luke and Laura era. It was. It was post Luke and Laura. It was during Anna <laughs> Devane, Robert Scorpio, and Sean Donnelly, and the Treasure, and then when they went into Chinatown. So it was. A, it was about from 1984 to 88. And when I was in college, my mother, we would. I would videotape. You know, record the shows, and we would watch them together on the weekends. Wow. And mine. And my mother still watches General Hospital. She watched it. She's watched General Hospital for over 50 years. What are you about to say, Ray? And mine was WWF. Yeah. What's the storyline going on WWE? That was the soap opera right there. All right. Will Tito Santana defeat Greg the Hammer (laughs) Valentine this week? I mean, that was was thinking me as a kid. All right. What's next? From Scotty Hale. Hey, Rob, you are booked this weekend with all uh, with For All Mankind. And wait for it. Peaky Blinders Season 6 starts this Friday. Uh, Let's go. I can't wait. First of all, I love Peaky Blinders. And For All Mankind is uh, one of my favorite shows on TV now. So that is a good weekend. Yeah, right? I got to get caught up on For All Mankind, too. And that's out this weekend, Rob? Yes. Season 3. But I just want you to know that... It's now about Mars, and it's no longer about. I know, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm talking seriously. Do they drop all at once? Right? I don't Apple? think they do. No, I think it's no. a weekly Apple, Apple goes show. Weekly. But, I'm gonna have to restart that. They've like allowed. Plus. They, they've released the first eight episodes for reviewers. Everyone says it's like the best season yet. Okay, I got oh, it. But they held back the last two episodes. All right, what's next? From Corey, I think uh, Takata's letter is BS2. However, I do believe an 18-year-old can be that articulate. My niece's writing got her into college, into the college of her choice. Look, I'm not, look, I'm not saying it's, that an 18-year-old can't be articulate. I used to write when I was 18, too. I'm just looking at that letter and the structure of it and things are being said. It's like it, it was either somebody else typing it or it was her fingers typing it while being told what to say. 
I mean, there's, I, I get, and again, I am not a psychologist. I am simply giving you my, you know, butt fuck nobody opinion who's reading this on the internet and just giving you my thoughts. Although I did work in law for a while. So I, yeah, I, that's that, my thought. That was my only kind of huh moment on it, just because my dad's a, a very big time lawyer. And so I would write with a lot of legalese stuff and still do. I have some of my friends fake manager sometimes when they're not getting footage and things well, like you're that. You're a little underage clerk. Um, <laughs> we're doing some clerking <laughs> underage. I was, wow. I was doing a lot of corporate law for funsies. <laughs> um, so that was the only kind of, what? but it, it does sound like it's, it's written in a way that is a very PR legalese sort of thing that doesn't feel completely authentic. Yeah. All right. What's next? From Todd. Hi, Rob. Are you looking forward to Phil Tippett's Mad God? It looks incredible and horrifying. So glad this Pioneer's Opus is finally coming out after 30 years of hard work. Oh, well, for those of you who don't know, Phil Tippett is one of the great animators, stop motion animators of all time. Worked on Star Wars, did RoboCop, uh, things like Starship Troopers, also animated the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Uh, He has been working on an what looks to be, if you look up this trailer, you can find it now, Mad God. Uh, it looks insane. It's played at a few festivals. I am dying to see this. It looks nuts. I mean, some weird, crazy Hieronymus Bosch robotic hell world. I have no idea, but <laughs> I, I, I can't wait. Right up my alley. Bring it on. All right. What's next? From Elizabeth Rado, jokes on you, John. When I saw the horrible reviews, I returned my tickets for Jurassic. Ah, <laughs> uh, so you, that's but why you're one step ahead of the game, Elizabeth. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm one of those people, like especially if I already have the tickets, I'm I'm gonna go see it. But I I'm not gonna lie, last couple of years I, years I have allowed myself to be dissuaded from seeing a movie when I hear too many negative things, especially if it's a movie I'm really excited about because I don't want to get my heart broken. So yeah, there's that. All right, good on you, Elizabeth. You are one step ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? From Andy. Hi, Chris. Hi, Andy. The fact that you know what Kim Possible is makes you 1,000 times more awesome. (laughs) I rewatched the show on Disney Plus, and I'm dying for a revival of it. Well, Andy, there is that live-action film. I didn't watch it, but maybe that was okay. Did that actually come out? Did that actually happen? That did, yeah. That was on Disney Plus, though, or or went to Disney Channel or something like Mm. that. But they did do a live-action version. See, that's how badly they marketed it, because I didn't even know it was really even a thing. That was a real thing. (laughs) All right, what's next? From Curiosity Killed the Cat, John, I always look forward to the open spoiler discussions. Is there one that stands out to you as the most memorable to do? I love to rewatch and laugh with The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Whoa, <laughs> OST, yeah. open spoiler discussion. In my opinion, it's John at his best. Um, I don't know. I mean, I can't even remember when I really first started doing open spoiler discussions. I mean, I started the, the open spoiler discussions at AMC. So that's when I started those. I, I can't really think of any that off the top of my head. I mean, I really like doing them for the TV stuff when it's stuff that we're excited about. Um, this, this Obi-Wan one was particularly fun, uh, even though I really hated episode four, but well, you know, I still like the show in general yeah. now, but whatever. So I can't think of one off the top of my head, but if I do, man, I will, I will try to remember it and bring it back up. All right. What's next? From 253Sir3. Hey guys, have you ever been in a cockpit before? Yep. yep. When I was a little kid and yep. they gave me wings. We used to have, there's an airport in Hamilton, which is a city, this is where I grew up, which is right beside Toronto. And we had the little Hamilton International Airport. We always had this big air show and they would, every year you can just come in and 
been in the cockpits and stuff like that. And I don't know what instigated it, but I was on an airliner once and they let me go up and go into the cockpit. Something like that. <laughs> That's obviously pre the 9-11 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, so yes, have been in a cockpit. All right, Have you ever next? been in a Turkish prison, Timmy? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I was just thinking that same thing. All right, what's next? From Lars, going for my first hot toy with Dead Strange. Oh, Lars, that is a good one. Or Zombie Strange. It's interesting. I don't know why they didn't call it Zombie Strange, but Dead Strange. What a figure. I'm sorry about that price point, buddy. Because technically it wasn't a zombie. It was was Dead Strange. Just again, we all love hot toys, but be careful. (laughs) Because once you get one, you're like, you know, it would look really good beside that one. Another mm-hmm. one. A good Scarlet Witch would look yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, and these things are like two hundred and fifty to three hundred and fifty bucks yeah. a pop. So just be careful exactly. because it's Dead Strange is is up there. It's in the three hundreds. But like, what a figure! They're like yeah, Pringles. Once you right. pop, you can't What's stop. next? From Jay Master, Rob, what are your quick thoughts on Marvel Studios starting production on Blade with Marsha Hall Ali on July fourth? Well, I think we're all excited. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm uh, first of all, Mahersha Ali is Blade. Come on. What better? Not one. A two-time, two-time, two-time Academy Award winner. I, I mean, that's right. first of all, the day, the day Walker needs to come back. Everyone knows it never gets spoken of in these terms, but the first Blade, mm-hmm. the first Blade, the first fifteen minutes of that movie, when you have the New blood Order rave? remix playing and you've got the uh, the it, blood it, rave, man, the blood rave. I mean, come on, and then. I don't think Wesley Snipes and I love ever since he played Nino Brown in 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 um, uh, New Jack City. I love Wesley Snipes and Wesley Snipes has never been more Wesley Snipes than he was as Blade in the first Blade movie. The man just kicked unholy ass literally with vampires, and I loved it so much. I mean, I know the other films. I'm trying to what was what was the villain's name again? It was Deacon Deacon Frost. Frost. Deacon Frost. Mm -hmm. Deacon Frost. Yeah. You know, and no Mac and, and you know, Blade I actually 2. prefer Blade Two. Well, yeah, like and, and Guillermo del Toro. But, yeah. but the thing is, for me, when I when I just heard that, I ha- I love New Order and that remix was playing and Tracy Lords. I mean, come on, when an ex porn star takes you into a blood wave, a new when a New Order remix is playing and the blood is coming down, I'm like, that's where I want to go on Friday nights. And and then the, 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 and you did. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's true. All right. True. What's next? This Chris is, is even like, funnier after our Friday. Like, I'm going to go home and organize. Rob went to a blood rave. Wow. <laughs> Sam Fisher, I vote that we call the termite scene in the boys the human catheter. No, I, I think for, for forever it's just going to be the scene. Yeah. Until hero-gasm happens, it's just going to be oh. the scene. And that's what everybody's waiting for, right? Episode I'm six, so hero-gasm. Hyped. Everybody's like, what are they going to do? I'm scared. Yeah. I, I have like I'm actually how scared. far we're gonna find out how far they can actually push things. Those those panels, episode. I am filthy on this show. Those panels are disgusting. Oh, In yeah. the comics, you yeah. Mean. yeah, yeah. I mean, they go they're so far beyond. I, I, yeah, but I gotta tell you, I kind of can't wait. I no, listen, <laughs> I, I am so curious to see how are they actually gonna do this because I would have thought they're gonna really tone it down until we just saw the scene that's like well maybe they won't tone it i mean i don't know it's gonna be interesting to see what it's about all right what's next from john hey all finally got a chance to say congratulations on the new day thank you also the film is velocipaster that's what it is not not raptor pastors velocipaster that's right yeah listen dude we we are it's it's, a movie about about a pastor who's a velociraptor yeah who who gets cursed and he becomes a a raptor oh my god and eats his enemies 
Um, <laughs> this is the greatest concept ever, right? So, awesome. uh, yeah, we are still kind of getting settled in in the new digs. But, I mean, listen, we're really enjoying the benefits of it, having the space, having the, you know, the the areas that we can shoot different shows. It's it's a lot of fun, to be honest with you. And uh, we're only just getting started. All right, what's next? We've only from, just begun. <laughs> from Andy, seeing all the merchandising at AdventureCon in Ms. Marvel instantly made me think of Vought, and now I think Scott Lang does cocaine and explodes people. Listen, I'll tell you what. Aaron brought up the other day they need to do the Baby Sloth podcast, Ms. Marvel's uh, YouTube channel. They need to put those YouTube oh, videos up. But I'll tell you what else. It. They've got to get Paul Rudd in and do at least one fake Scott Lang podcast. Mm -hmm. That they were marketing that. They yeah. had got to do that. It's just too good of an idea. All right, what's next? From Stubble McShave. Uh, could see Talia in Andor, but she's not in Andor IMDb. I don't know who Talia uh, The uh, woman she's on Obi-Wan. Like the... Oh, she's oh, yeah, yeah. She's the mother yeah. of snakes, mother yeah. of vipers, right? Um, suppose they could, but I, I've never heard anything about it, so most Come likely in. not. All right, what's next? From Corey, controversial question. Do you think WB is saying any, uh, isn't saying anything because how it may look because he uh, he's in the LGBTQ community? No, 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 no. not at all. Wait. This is just, this is strictly a business thing. It's like, what do we do with, look, they've got the lead star of their majorly expensive, important film getting themselves into trouble. This is just trying to handle it and trying to keep that they're trying to manage the pr I, I can tell you right now it has nothing to do with that other thing like not one bit if this was anybody else it'd be handled the same way i mean anybody else who is the big main lead star of their film yeah. they would be handled any other way so yeah all right what's next from isaac going to jurassic park 19 oh, just, just one sorry just to back up mm -hmm. if you want proof of that they had no problem going after kevin spacey yeah right so that that just ends that discussion right there all right now what's next? From Isaac, going to Jurassic Park 1993, Jurassic World Dominion double feature tonight. Oh, nice. No matter what Jurassic World Dominion is, I'm going to have a good night. You yeah. know what? You, you will. Get the first I, one and that's a really good way. That's yeah. a good double feature Especially for that. Especially if he leaves midway through. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, right. you get Dr. Ian Malcolm. You get Goldblum at his peak. Yep. Ugh. All right. What's next? From uh, Collins. Eat. There we go. Uh, I predict both Jurassic and Lightyear will do one billion. Jurassic ain't not with these, not with this word of mouth, because you can't make a billion in your first weekend, and this thing is going to take a nosedive uh, after that. So, listen, I hope you're right. I want success for all films, because what's good for one film is good love for the it, industry. Though, John, the kids might love it. Hopefully, but uh, Lightyear that could be a billion yeah, dollar. I, film. Yeah, I think it will be. All right, what's next? From Black Rice 19, do you guys think Paramount is having the best year of all with the major studios? Well, I listen, mean, Sony has a $2 billion film in Spider-Man, so no. But Paramount's having... Hey, it's good to be Paramount right now. Mm -hmm. And how many years has it been since we've said that? Yeah. No, but Paramount, you know, all of their releases here have made money. And yes, Spider-Man was 2021. You know what? You're right. Yeah, Spider-Man was 2021. And but still, Disney had a little $900 million well, film. Yeah, That's in but I mean, right in now. terms of, of... Paramount's released a lot of movies that they, they didn't because of the pandemic. And they... I mean, I would say that it's nice to see Paramount in a better position than they I agree. Been. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. All right, what's next? From uh, Love Dagerborn, how much will Amber Heard hurt Aquaman 2 box office? And do general moviegoers even care that she's in the movie? General moviegoers do not care. Um, and I don't think it's actually going to hurt it all that much. You know, listen, one of the things we as movie fans do a lot and hey, look, I've been guilty of this. I'll tell you right, I've been guilty of this. I don't think, I, I think I'm 
sincere when I say it, but eventually movie fans all the time is like, I'm not going to see that for insert reason here. And then they do. And then we do. Um, and look, the reality is this. Um, Amber, from what we found out, because they, they didn't think there was great chemistry between uh, Mara and Aquaman in it, it's a reduced role anyway. Well, there so, wasn't. Yeah, I, I mean, so no, honestly, I really don't think it's going to affect it all that much. A little bit, yes, but all that much, probably not. All right, what's next? From uh, the Robo Producer, John and Crew. Oh, sending in a $20 super chat. Oh, thank, thank you, you Robo Producer. producer. John and crew, what is each of your takes on Top Gun Maverick? For me, it's nearly a perfect film. My favorite movie in the last five years. Tom Cruise again, bring on the filthy. Also, why isn't Obi using themes from Star Wars? Well, we'll, we'll just stick That's to the one question there. Um, yeah. we, we have, we've talked about Top Gun Maverick and given our thoughts on it many, many, many times. Yeah. I, near perfect film? Fuck no. I mean, it's, 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 there's some real ridiculousness in there. But I love it. I love this movie. I had so much fun. I told you guys about it when I saw the first 15, 18 minutes of it at CinemaCon a year ago. And then we told you about it again when they showed us the whole thing a little over a month ago. The film's great. I mean, I didn't quite work as well for, for Chris because yeah. of her connections and everything or lack thereof to yeah. it. Uh, but the rest or of us sanity. really had a good time with or it. Sanity, how dare you? I was born in 1987, man. I don't have the nostalgia for this. I, I just want to plead for Regal. If Jurassic bombs the next week, please put Top Gun back in 40X. 40X. Give me more time to see it in that format. Okay, that please. I would go see in 40X. Yeah, I mean, that's I've never been to a 40X thing. Uh, but Ray texted me the other day. He goes, let's go see Top Gun in 40X. I'm like, you know what? This is probably the movie to see in 40X. But I just, I didn't get it. And then we couldn't get tickets. The, it was sold out everywhere. And then we get, and, and just to, to the last thing you wrote, why not they using general themes? I think Star Wars has faced, we mentioned this the other day, Star Wars has faced criticism before because they over rely on recognizable themes. And I think they're trying to just move away from that. And, and I get it. I do. All right. What's next? Uh, from Fredo. Hey, cool people. Fredo. I love watching you every day. Oh, thank oh, you, Fredo. Fredo. And it's good to have you here every day. And is that it? That's it. Wait, wait. I got two member chats oh, Okay, real quick. sure. Thanks. Yeah, right. Okay, so Sam Fisher writes, wanted to let you all know that I'm going to see Daniel Craig and Ruth Nega in Math Macbeth tonight. I'm so excited. The last time I saw a celeb in a play was Liz Olsen in Romeo and Juliet. By the way, Ruth Before Nega? Age yeah, Ruth, Ruth Nega. Nega is so good. She's so good. She's so good. And of course, Daniel Craig, my favorite James Bond of all time. All right, and next? I got one more from La Ladislav Misenik. Vladislav? Yeah, some, something like that. I'm sorry. My heart is broken for everyone hardworking on the Flash movie. Can't imagine working on something and you read something like this on the news. Well, I mean, it also sucks when you work on any kind of big project and then you find out that one freaking Yahoo may hurt all of you. I mean, and, and that's just one of the things of working on big projects, right? And you're absolutely right about that. All right, guys, that down, that'll do it for today's episode of the John Kaby Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all of you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved here with the show, Thank you guys so much for your support. Don't forget, guys, the John Campus Show returns again tomorrow. We hope you'll join us for that. We got a mailbag coming up a little bit later today. And, of course, tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, it is time for The Boys After Show. This time, it's going to be featuring Chris Carr and Robert Meyer Burnett Yay. talking about the new episode of The Boys. I will not be there because I'm going to be in Las Vegas, of course. Really All right, guys. 
for everybody in the room, from Robert Meyer Burnett, Chris Carr, Ray Ora, producer Jonathan Voico, and myself, John Campia, that'll do it for us for now. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.